This presentation has been previously broadcast. Does the name Herb Brooks mean anything to you? My guess is it does, especially if you're over the age of, say, 50. Well, if it doesn't, I'll fill you in. Coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. I'm Patrick Conley, and I'm pleased you've tuned in for this hour of spiritual direction on air and online. Thanks for joining us. Herb Brooks, he was the coach of the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. If you're unfamiliar, the team was scheduled to play the Soviet Union team in Lake Placid, New York, on February 22nd of that year, 1980. The Soviet team consisted primarily of professional players who had experience in international play, but the U.S. team was almost entirely amateurs, with only four players who had just a little bit of minor league experience. In addition, the United States had the youngest team in the tournament and in U.S. national team history. Well, as you may guess, the Soviets were highly favored to win this matchup during some of the most heated days of the Cold War. Well, you know what happened, right? The U.S. pulled off a stunning upset, beating the Soviet team 4-3. to The victory became one of the most iconic moments of the games and in U.S. sports. Equally well-known was the television call of the final seconds of the game by Al Michaels for ABC, in which he declared, Do you believe in miracles? Yes. In 1999, Sports Illustrated named the Miracle on Ice the top sports moment of the 20th century. And the story has since been immortalized in a 2004 film starring Kurt Russell entitled Miracle. Well, I remember that night. I remember watching the game. And though I was only nine years old, I remember being so excited when the final buzzer sounded and the U.S. had come out on top. And it's still a joyful memory. But now, this is the question that intrigues me. Was the miracle on ice, as astounding as it was, truly miraculous? I mean, does God actually intervene in sporting events? Okay, well, if not, if you say no, he doesn't do that, when does he intervene? How can you know? Many things, I'm sure, get labeled miraculous that don't meet the criteria of actually being a bona fide miracle. So what is an actual miracle? Should we come to, ex- should we come to expect them in our everyday spiritual life? What's the role of a miracle? These questions and more is today on the show we address the topic of miracles. Guiding our discussion is our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin. Father Martin is the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau in the Diocese of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Welcome back, Father. Did you witness the miracle on ice, Father? I don't think so. I mean, I was uh, I was seven years old, so I was. Um, my brother probably remembers it well, yeah. and I was. Uh, we were probably in bed. I mean, what time was the game on? You know, we strict parents <laughs> right. and all. You know, as soon as the sun went down, I was probably. Anyway, I. But of course, you knew all about it. I mean, it was the buzz for I don't know. I mean, it was just you kind of grew up being uh, aware of it. Right. That uh, that you know this underdog, this uh, you know rag to riches story, whatever. And of course, at the time of the Cold War, it was uh, you know very significant, and it gave it us a sense that you know that somehow the power of good had defeated the power of evil. Now, I mean, it's not so easily you know that doesn't summarize everything accurately but that was kind of the sense i suppose and uh, yeah. you know is it really a miracle these are good uh, 
I read the book about Al Michaels, uh, about his life, and he talks about that that wasn't scripted. I mean, it was just one of those things that kind of comes out of your mouth that becomes iconic. Do you believe in miracles? Because, in other words, you're seeing one right in front of your eyes. Well, not exactly. But uh, when you're excited like that and when your team is, you know, not supposed to win and you do, I mean, we all like the story of an underdog. I mean, this is why David and Goliath and some of these things, they still, I mean, if there's ever an underdog, it's Jesus taking on, you know, the powers of the evil. And uh, and he does it in a way that he becomes one of us. He doesn't come from a point of advantage. He could have. I mean, he is God, but he takes the side of humility and the side of mortality. So he's even able to suffer and die. And he defeats, you know, evil by exploding it from the inside. He embraces death, and then all of a sudden, death, where's your victory? Where's your sting? Now you belong to me. And so for us, uh, you know, that's the great miracle, of course, of of all of human history. But um, more on that later, Patrick. Nice setup. (laughs) You know, when you said Herb Brooks, I'm like, Herb Brooks? That rings a bell. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. Well, I let's uh let's then I I know that this isn't necessarily uh at least not the role of your typical everyday layperson to sort of put miracles under the microscope as it were. Now there are some, especially when we're talking about the process for canonization of the saints, there are some who are kind of uh they're entrusted with that to actually investigate some of these so-called or claimant miracles. Um, that happen as people are advancing in the cause for canonization. But nevertheless, for the show today, I think it still bears asking for a show on miracles. What is a miracle? What's what's the definition of a miracle, Father? Well, in a nutshell, I suppose something unexpected, something that it's like a suspension of the, you know, the natural law, the scientific law. I mean, if uh, if somebody's falling out of an airplane you know, and then just stops falling. I mean, we know gravity is a pretty consistent thing here, uh, and (laughs) so it's fairly predictable. And if something like that happened, you wouldn't be able to account for that. that, uh, And anybody that's ever been involved in medicine, the men and women and the, uh, you know, doctors, nurses, and so forth, they probably have seen things, maybe not all of them, but I will bet many of them, they'd say, I don't have any explanation for this. What I expected to see, I didn't. This cancer was stage four, and it's in a very sensitive place. There's very little likelihood of recovery. And I go in today, and there's not a sign that there was ever anything awry. That, so there are things then that are a suspension of what we'd expect, that this is the world that we've seen, we've observed. We've, you know, we write these things down because, well, it's a predictable sort of thing. My dad used to say, you know, when we were kids growing up, that you know, human beings can go fast. We just don't stop fast. So he was talking about, you know, like, you get a car and you want to drive fast, but if you hit something, you get in an accident, our body can't stop fast. That's what, you know, injures and kills people. And I was, you know, observing something that is, uh, you know, is, is fairly predictable. So anyway, the suspension of the natural law, the, the, the laws of science and medicine, things that you wouldn't expect, but there you go. I mean, an empty tomb when no one has ever come out of the tomb before and we can't find his body. Uh, we can't, I mean, there's just no explanation. And all people are saying that they see him. This guy even put his hand in his side and his finger in his hand. Like, I don't know. I mean, that would be a miracle. I mean, that's somebody yeah. that could, you know, after he was certifiably dead, and the Romans made sure of that, and we're talking about Jesus, of course, And uh, but now he's alive. Or at least we can't find his body. And uh, And these people that are willing to die for something that, well, they claim 
really happened. Uh, these are shocking things, things that uh, we wrestle with. And someone that doesn't believe in God would say that these things probably aren't possible, that there's always an explanation. We just aren't aware of it yet. Give us another couple centuries, a little bit more, you know, scientific uh, experimentation and study and research, and we'll get it. We're going to get it. It's just we're not there yet. And, uh, but, you know, life after death, uh, like in the, in the form of Jesus and so forth, uh, I don't think we're ever going to get there. That's just, uh, you know, a shock that God must be the source of life, and uh, he's not threatened by our biological end, that we are dust to dust we shall return, but there's some part of us that cannot die. And that's what God creates directly, the soul. So anyway, I mean, we, it's a great topic, Patrick. I don't know who yeah. picked things, but uh, uh, intellectually there's a lot more that could be said. And, um, but in, in a you know, just basic, succinct definition, it's something you wouldn't expect because of the laws that we understand. Right. And I suppose we can get some clue as to the whole purpose of miracles from Jesus himself, right? I'm thinking of, for instance, when the disciples of John the Baptist come to him and ask him, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? And he says, go and tell John what you say. The blind see, the deaf hear, you know, the, the yeah, the, just that there are there are miraculous things going on. And then later on, of course, in the Gospel of John, he tells him, you know, well, if you don't believe me, then at least believe because of the works I'm doing, because of the signs, you know, that they are, they are signs there. So is that what, is that kind of giving us a hint as to the purpose of miracles, why miracles occur? In the end, I think, Jesus, it was always about trust, which leads to love and friendship. That's what he wants, that, uh, you know, from the cross, he says, I thirst, that he wants us to trust him. He wants us to receive his love. He wants us to finally say, this man on this tree, my Lord and my God, that he did this for me. He is offering an atonement for my sins, not his own. And so the signs, I mean, Jesus, he's, you know, they're giving him a hard time because he claims that he can forgive sins, and that's always about trust. I mean, that's always about a divine power that we don't have, and he does, and he wants to take away the sins of the world. So he says, so that you may believe, rise and take up your pallet and go home. So the signs are always, I mean, these miracles are always to promote trust, friendship. I mean, the rest of it, it you know, it's very impressive, but, you know, and sometimes people will turn Jesus into like a David Copperfield or whatever, just a ma- right. magician that's, you know, he's sleight of hand and he's pretty impressive. But that's for entertainment. I mean, that's what magic is. It's, it's the entertain. I mean, it's, uh, and Jesus is not, that, that's not love. Love is much deeper. It's much more difficult. And trust is a commodity that we don't go out and just achieve or earn, but God is so kind and gentle and thoughtful that he's trying to promote that trust by the signs. And that's what he's saying. That, that Listen, these things are fairly irrefutable. You were there. You saw it. You, you know, what do you think? I mean, like the 70,000 people at Fatima in 1917, I mean, they didn't all believe it, but they saw it. I mean, they looked down and they were no longer wet up to the ankles in mud and, and, and rainwater because, well, something had just happened. They didn't all respond the same way. A thing is received according to the mode of the receiver. So there's always room for skepticism and, and outright non-belief, distrust. But, um, you know, because God is gentle, he doesn't force us uh, to believe, but he certainly gives us, you know, these signs, evidence, things that are pl- plausible that point to something. I mean, it, uh, you know, when they're wrestling about the, the man born blind, and they're like, well, we've never heard of anybody that, I mean, if the man's a sinner who did this, who healed this man, that's just never, that's unheard of that a man born in sin 
could heal someone who was born blind. So they're wrestling with it. You can hear they, they're having this big intellectual uh, dispute about, well, what is this, which we can see, and what does it mean, you know, uh, right. for our religion, for me, for you, for anybody that uh, has had the good fortune of witnessing a miracle, and probably lots of people listening would say that, you know, they've seen little miracles, maybe not the big ones that have been proven by science or medicine, like the ones at Lourdes, that Lourdes, there aren't that many of them that have been proven because it's so rigorous. A lot of people don't even submit, you know, they just say, well, we know it was a miracle. We know that there was a healing. We know there was something different that, um, but we're not going to go through all the hoops. Uh, but uh, most of us have seen some things that we would say, those were unexpected. Those yeah. point to someone with a power that I don't have some sort of natural explanation, yeah. Our spiritual director today, Father Sam Martin, and, well, you said it, Father, let's find out if uh, you, as our listener, if you have had an experience of a miracle in your life that you'd like to share. Um, but be prepared, too, to share how it affected you and specifically your faith life, your life of faith. How did it shape your faith? Or maybe you have a question about miracles and whether a particular circumstance is a miracle or not. Give us a call. Join the conversation. Our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, um, some great conversation thus far on the topic of miracles. And I, I guess I would I would start by asking, too, what do you think our our attitude as faithful Catholics should be regarding um, miracles in the world and in our lives. Of course, I, I, we would we would say that they happen, but um, is there a degree of skepticism that should be maintained, or should we just view everything that seems unexpected as miraculous? Or how how do you, how would you recommend? Yeah, it's a fine line, I suppose. I mean, the Lord makes it clear that, uh, you know, <laughs> some people are just looking for signs, and they came because their bellies were filled, so they just want more bread, uh, more fishes, whatever. I mean, it's, uh, so uh, we can be thrill-seekers, and that can happen in, in the faith, and there's a fine line between, you know, a real love and gratitude and respect for miracles, and then I covet these things. I need these things. I can't believe without these things. Like, Lord, you better uh, show me something right now, and it's... Um, Whatever love is, I mean, that, that, you know, what have you done for me lately? Well, I know that there has to be, you know, some proof about, you know, if you're married or in a friendship that, uh, you know, there's some evidence that you still love me, but I can't always be, you know, I, I need proof. I need you to show me something every day that, that I'm the one that is the object of all your uh, desire and so forth. So that, that can put a person in a position of um, really it, it's distrust, right? There's something that's lacking. There's a suspicion that is inordinate. So... Uh, I think that, you know, my dad used to say you take things with a grain of salt, that, that, you know, test all things, retain what is true is the more, you know, that's the Pauline way of, of characterizing that, okay, might be true. I mean, you see things, and there sometimes people post things that, you know, and it's a possibility. I mean, you know, but the church is very cautious because the devil loves to wear a white hat. He loves to show up, and he's uh, he can razzle and dazzle you, and pretty soon he's leading you slowly into disobedience. All of a sudden, you're outside the church that you once really loved, but no, this is a miracle, and you're not going to tell me, and no church is going to have authority over that. I know what I saw, and oh my goodness. So the devil, the church is wise. She's been around a long time, and she has to help us to say, okay, we'll see, we'll pursue it, and uh, we'll find out by their fruits you will know them. So if there's uh, any sort of disobedience or a lack of humility or 
you know, the kind of submission to the church about all things. That, you know, she'll sort them out, and, and Jesus promised that this is the rock upon which I'll build my church, Peter and his faith and so forth, and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. But he doesn't say that about everybody and every opinion and every you know, uh, thing that might be a miracle. So sure, we want to yeah. be cautious, uh, yeah. prudent, uh, to, you know, as clever as uh, serpents, but as innocent as doves. So uh, when I hear these things, and you hear them on a regular basis, right, it's, uh, I think, well, okay, we'll wait and see. Might be. You know, I think um, there's a, a, a healthy kind of skepticism that, uh, you know, does test things, and uh, then there's an unhealthy one, too, that just is like, you know, it's when the kids would ask questions in the classroom, like, Father, why is this, that you know, and you could hear in their attitude, like, well, I don't know that uh, if I responded right now, I don't think you're going to hear me. I don't think that uh, you're really all that open to what I'm going to say, so uh, maybe look at, you know, your heart and your attitude and your, you know, predisposition about these things, and then maybe we can talk more objectively later. And uh, so, yeah, that, that I think would be, you know, a kind of a wise approach to these things. Yeah. All right. Very good. Let's get a phone call in here. Karen is calling in from Minneapolis. Good morning, Karen. Thanks for calling the show. Good, good morning. Thank you. Um, I have a grandson. Of, uh, four years ago, when he was 14, he, in January, he had headaches. He was a hockey player and just didn't feel right. And so after a night and a day of it, he, uh, his mom took him to, to uh, urgent care. And he did that twice during the week. And uh, they get better, but then they got worse. And so finally, he went to Children's. They did uh, an MRI, found that he had a brain tumor at the base of his neck. And in reviewing it, they felt that it was a fairly serious possibly aggressive tumor. There was blood flow in it. So they were preparing to have surgery. Um, She had put it on Facebook and several different friends told her about this phenomenal neurologist, neurosurgeon. And so she thought, well, I might as well send the paperwork to him. She did. And the next day he called and said he wanted to see my grandson. And he saw him and looked at all all the tests and so on and said that it was an aggressive tumor and that he would do the surgery. And on Friday, March 16th, in the meantime, our priest came over and did anointing of the sick. He he went to Catholic school. And, um, of course, our entire network of friends were praying for him. On Friday morning, he uh, he was scheduled for surgery. My granddaughter and I went to church at at the church. The kids, his classmates were all in the chapel. They attended mass. They stayed in the chapel the whole morning while he was having surgery. And in the afternoon when the surgery was over, the doctor came out and he said, they're really, they got it. It was a lot of tissue. They couldn't explain it. There wasn't any uh, evidence of blood flow. And they ended up sending it to two different pathologists and they they could not determine. It was just, it basically wasn't anything. It was a tumor, and um, but he is now 18. He just started college. He's doing phenomenally well, um, and it's changed, of course, all of us, but particularly him. He is a very faithful, he's a beautiful soul, and we just believe with all our heart it was a miracle. <laughs> 
Those are great uh, stories when we hear those, Karen, especially when it hits so close to home. And um, I just think of all the people that, you know, all their life are going to remember that in some way. You know, when we go through our own struggles and, God, are, are you real? I, I thought you were real because my friend or my brother, my grandson, uh, this kid that I operated on, I saw it, Lord. I know that you can do it. But then all the things that we have to wrestle with, they, you know, later on that we... Maybe we doubt then, you know, that uh, you think of Peter on the water, that he, he's on the water, and then now he's not. He's sinking. And, Lord, you know, help me. I'm in peril. I'm, I'm so, but the fact is, is that all of our life, once we've experienced something like this, it, we have to return to it, I think, in prayer a lot of times, because it's a grace that is meant to keep on giving, I think, for all our life. I mean, it, he, this boy, is, is going to be, to some degree, uh, always a, this is something that for him is a um, it's a marker in his life. There's the before and the after for all of his days now. That when the, I was little, I'd, I but then I was 14. I went through this, and it affected me in different ways at different times. It's um, so Saint Ignatius would say to return to those things. And as a grandma, I bet you return to it all the time. That you think of, you know, God. I know that. I mean, I did believe in you, and I, I did trust you. But I that's been deepened now. And along with that belief is a great gratitude. I don't know why, Lord, it, it turned out that way. I'm grateful that it did. And when you hear of others that might be sick, that you say, Lord, I know you can do it. And this is um, the great wrestling with the divine will. The, you know, I think it was just last weekend, uh, maybe it was two weeks ago, the second reading was from St. Paul's letter of the Romans, the inscrutable nature, like who has known the mind of God, you know, who has ever plumb the depths of, like, why God does what he does. We, we don't get that explanation. We hear what he does and what he doesn't do, and the Scripture records those things, but not always the motive. So um, anyway, Karen, it's a, it's a beautiful story, one with the, the happiest of all possible endings. And uh, the only thing that would be happier, please, God, is that all those who are affected by it will someday have a reunion when you can all thank God face-to-face and say, Lord, you did that you know, for me, for my grandson, for my friend. And that affected the way I spent the rest of my time on that planet down there. And I guess, Lord, I'm here now to thank and praise you for all that you did. That was only one thing. But um, a lot of people are keenly aware of it. And now that you've shared it on the radio here today, others are thinking of things they've experienced, and others are thinking of the things they didn't experience. They prayed for that, too, for someone that they knew, and it didn't go that way. And this is the, uh, the mystery of a God whose ways are not always our ways. But when these things happen, <laughs> we can rejoice. I mean, it's, uh, you can hear Al Michael's voice, you know, do you believe in miracles? <laughs> yes, right. I yes. do. I mean, and that, that really, you know, to some degree, uh, is a miracle. They went in there and didn't find what they were expecting. They saw it. They knew what it was. But when they got there, it wasn't what they had expected, and they were, you know, very happy that it wasn't. So God bless you, Karen, and this boy who's now nearly a man and uh, whatever his life will be, I hope and pray that it's a, a beacon of hope and uh, never to forget the goodness of the Lord. 
Thank you, Karen, for the call. We're talking miracles today on the show. If you have an experience of a miracle that really did have a profound effect in your life and your life of faith, if it was really, it's borne fruit in your life since that, we'd love to hear your testimony, 888-914-9149. Or if you have a question about maybe something that has happened or maybe is happening right now, is this miraculous? Is this this the Lord's work? Give us a call, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Lots more to come here on the show in our conversation about miracles with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin. We'll be back right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for tuning in as we're talking about miracles today with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin, pastor of the Holy Name of Jesus Parish in Wausau, Wisconsin, part of the Diocese of La Crosse. Father, you were just getting into right before our break, and I think this is a question that needs to be asked on a show like this, is what about people who pray for a miracle and it doesn't happen? How, what's the... Uh, what insight can you give us in those types of situations? Well, I think if uh, sometimes we are very desperate, uh, you know, I mean, you could take something from Scripture, you know, when King David, you know, he commits sin with Bathsheba, they conceive and, and have a child, but, you know, because of his sin, it seems to be revealed anyway that this this son is not going to live. And David prays, he fasts, he just implores the Lord, please, it was my sin. I mean, why punish my child? And um, and yet the son dies, you know, that he uh, he doesn't make it. And so then David returns, he, you know, washes, and he sits down to eat, and they're just like, well, you were praying, and, you know, now that he's dead, you just give up? He said, I haven't given up in the sense that I life has to go on, and I have to, you know, so it, it, it obviously affects David. And uh, it's, you know, there's still that sense that, you know, somehow God gets you back when you sin, that, He's just a mean cop after all, and if you screw up, he's going to get you. And then when people don't screw up, and then God still seems to get them, then they, that really upsets them. But what kind of God is this? He, you know, he punishes me, and I've not done anything wrong. So that's the the book of Job and so forth. There are a lot of scriptural precedents that we can look at. But um, in the end, we have to acknowledge the pain. And there's a grieving that, God, I trusted you. I mean, we just heard it over the weekend. You know, Jeremiah says, you duped me, Lord, and I was duped. Yeah, that I trusted right. you, and then you've betrayed me, that you've you know, misled me, you've, you've tricked me. And I feel that, uh, but then Jeremiah goes on to say that if I, if I give up on you, I feel even worse than if I, you know, but I, I just, I'm wrestling with this, Lord. And that's the thing, is that we want to keep wrestling, keep acknowledging, keep bringing it to the Lord, as long as it takes, because... Uh, these things can produce the kind of, well, this is what the Scripture again reveals, that, you know, you're put in the crucible not as a punishment, but to produce a faith that is more precious than fire-tried gold. That, you know, if you watch The Chosen, I was just finishing the third season, and at the very end, Peter's just upset because he sees all these miracles. Jesus can do whatever he wants, but he never heals. I mean, in this, not to spoil it, but 
he and his wife conceive and they have a, a miscarriage. And he's just like really angry at Jesus. Like you hear it, heal everybody else, all these strangers, but you know, you chose us and you want us to follow you, but you never heal us. And, and he's having this real crisis of faith. And he's like, Jesus, why don't you help me? And Jesus reveals that, Peter, I have such great things for you that I had to permit these trials. I had to prepare you for things that, and it doesn't, you know, come out and say everything, but God has to, to kind of humble us in a way that feels harsh at the time. It's not, he's not that kind of God that he's, you know, revels in our pain, but he has to permit it so that we can grow. And he said that all growth would be painful on this planet, that we'd have to work with the sweat of our brow. That's a, one of the effects of original sin. And giving birth for a mother is painful. That growth, any kind of growth, is painful, but the spiritual growth seems to be uh, on a whole different plane. So I, uh, years ago, somebody passed along this, uh, this little article about a priest's utter dependence on God, which should be everybody's utter dependence. But this guy... Um, you know, that at his ordination, he decided, you know, because you could get a special grace if you asked specifically. And it, we used to t- teach the kids this, too, on your first communion, that you can ask for a special grace. The first time you receive Jesus is a very sacred, holy, beautiful gift. So we teach them that, you know, what would you ask for? Would it be a grace for your family or you know, what your vocation is? Something like that. Anyway, this man, before he was, uh, he was pretty sick, and he but he specifically did not ask to get better. Here's what he says. He, he writes, Lord, you know that I will forget to follow you and depend on you. You know that I will not turn to you anymore as your child if I feel I can make it on my own. So you have to break my heart always. You have to keep me poor and humble. You have to keep me incapable of anything without you. You have to make it clear to me that I can do nothing without your grace, and that will never be clear to me if I think things are going well. You have to break my heart. Well, that's <laughs> something that uh, wow. like, why would anybody ask for that? But it was based on this prayer by this uh, uh, Frenchman, De Grand Maison, and uh, which ends with the words, a, "A wound that will not heal until heaven, a wound that will only be healed in heaven." And all of us probably have one. And uh, sometimes it's unanswered prayers that I asked for this and I never got it. But we can't see what God can see. And in eternity, those, some of those unanswered prayers, all of them, if they were according to God's plan, are going to be good for us. They're going to you know, look back and say, Lord, you had something better, something different, something other than I would have ever conceived. And if I hadn't gone through that, this never would have happened. So um, when, when some people get the healing they want, I mean, I, I think of couples that struggle with infertility, and that's a heavy, heavy cross. And they look around, and their friends are having babies, and they're trying to be happy for them, you know, to be charitable, but their own hearts are breaking that, um, you know, to, to keep wrestling with that, I don't understand, Lord, but I don't want to give up on you. I, I don't want to be away from you. I don't want to be estranged from you, but I just don't understand you. Right. Okay, that puts you in pretty good company. Yeah. Uh, the Lord said that uh, in the world you will have trouble. That unless you deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, uh, you cannot be my disciple, that Suffering is, uh, is the mark of true holiness, and it's the beginning of wisdom, it's the beginning of uh, a real heroic life, or it's the beginning of uh, you know, alcoholism or drug addiction or buying lots of stuff or just you know, throwing ourselves into any relationship whatsoever because we're killing away the pain. Those, I mean, those, you know, these uh, sort of 
behaviors that, um, you know, compensatory behaviors are very predictable. People just don't want to suffer. And neither do I. Who does, right? But if we can accept that, that the healing didn't come. This is what happens to a lot of people in Lourdes. They come back and they still have their crutches. Still can't see because they're blind or deaf or whatever, but they, they'll say that something in my heart shifted. There was a healing of my attitude. I, I'm not so angry anymore. I'm at peace. I, I'm grateful for the life God gave me. He promised, like, you know, the Blessed Virgin Mary just says to Bernadette, that I can promise you no happiness in this life, but only in heaven. And Bernadette, because she has such a precious faith, she accepts that. And, um, you know, she's in heaven. We know that. She's canonized saints. Her body's incorrupt. And, uh, She's, I mean, when people get to know her story, they're like, everybody wants to sing the song of Bernadette. I mean, it's just such a, a beautiful little girl who uh, had a tremendous faith. And you just think, I'd take, you know, even just a part of that, Lord. I mean, just a, a portion of it if I could. So, um, but these are hard questions, and there's just no easy answer. I mean, right. any of us in the church, we run well, into this in some form all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's honest, and I think that uh, all of us have probably been in that, in that same, even those of us who have seen miracles in our lives, that we've also been in that time, so we've been praying for it, and it didn't happen. And it's, it's mysterious, but I think uh, you give us some good thoughts, good things to chew on there as well, Father. Let's go back to the phones now. Ruth is calling in from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Ruth, good morning. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, Ruth, please, uh, do you have a story about a miracle for us? Well, I think it was a miracle. It was in uh, 2003. I had been diagnosed with uh, atrial fibrillation um, in my heart. At that time, the remedy was to put in a pacemaker and um, be dependent on a battery. I was very upset because I thought, gosh, my life now is dependent on a battery. Um, I did wind up going to Mayo Clinic. Um, they really just confirmed everything that had been done. On the way home, we were passing through um, Missouri, and we came on a toll booth, and there was nobody at the toll booth, nobody collecting money, nobody there. And we decided at that time we had taken a wrong turn, and we needed to turn around and go back the other direction. So even though you're not supposed to, we decided to cross across the toll booths and go into the median and turn around. When we did that, we both saw a truck, a huge truck bearing down on us just feet away. And we just knew that was it. Hmm. And the next moment, we were sitting in the median. Nothing had happened. We had not been hit. The motor wasn't running. We were just sitting there. And we both looked at each other and said, what just happened? My husband looked at me and he says, I don't know. I don't know. And we looked, we saw no truck, nothing. But what it did for me, I knew it was a miracle at the time. There was no doubt. I had friends that were praying at home for different things for my heart. But anyway, what it did for me was it's I had come back and was kind of despondent that I was going to be dependent on this battery and this pacemaker to keep me alive. And I realized at that moment, God's going to keep me alive. It's not the battery. 
Hmm. And that was 20 years ago. <laughs> and I thank God every day for what he has done for me. And and the increase in faith for me and my husband, who was not really a believer at the time. So it really made a difference in his life, too. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, everyone, uh, every story is, is unique. And I mean, I guess God can just send a big truck. Uh, that's one way to do it. Uh, you know, and then things that you, there's just no explanation. Like, that should have been it. We're both sitting here, and um, your heart condition is different. You know, I mean, it's uh, no pacemaker. So, well, Ruth, I mean, I, um, you know, I've just heard so many things in my life that my inclination is to say, you know, you just, there are too many things that are, they're just, there's no accounting for them unless there's a supreme being that has his own way of intervening sometimes without living our life. I mean, he has to cut the apron strings. I mean, he, know, he knows unless you let the kids go, let them live, they can't learn, they can't grow, they can't make their own mistakes. And he, you know, has, we'd even say he's kind of reckless that way, like, well, you should stay closer to us, Lord, because you know we're going to blow it. But, he, but even so, I mean, this providential God, and he said, Jesus says, that if a bird falls from the sky, I will know it. I know every hair on your head. I, I am watching. I am, you know, but not hovering. I am there, but I won't always intervene in a way that, you know, sometimes you're going to fall and you're going to scrape your knee or you're going to break an arm or, there, you know, bad things will happen. But at other times, I will I have a different plan. Pope John Paul thought that when he was shot, you know, that he always said afterwards, he said, one finger pulled the trigger another finger guided the bullet. He thought that somehow the Blessed Virgin Mary had intervened because he should have been killed, but he wasn't. I mean, he, and the guy that shot him said, I don't know how I missed. I, I, you know, you were right in front of me. I, it's a shot that you can't miss. Well, these divine interventions, uh, thanks for sharing, Ruth. I mean, I, uh, I can't imagine, you know, <laughs> the irony is that something that you saw that should have stopped your heart actually put it right back in the right rhythm and, and things are fine. I mean, it, like, something that should have killed you uh, has sustained your life in a way that, I mean, you just, things that uh, the divine intellect has thought of and, uh, and it was, you were at the right place at the right time and the right person. So thanks for sharing today. God bless you. I appreciate that, Ruth. We need to take another break here on The Inner Life as we're talking about miracles with our spiritual director, Father Sam Martin. And I'm sure you've uh, experienced, well, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing you've experienced something that you might attribute as miraculous in your life. And if you would like to share that, give us a call. Our phone number is 888-914-9149. Or you can send us an email, innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. More of The Inner Life and our conversation about miracles with Father Sam Martin to come. Stay with us. We'll be back right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life. 
Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Sarah Tafoya, who's taking your phone calls today. And our spiritual director is Father Sam Martin. And we're talking about miracles. What are the roles of miracles in our spiritual life? How do miracles bolster the faith of some? And how come sometimes they just don't seem to happen, even when we're earnestly praying for it? So... That's what we're talking about today. We've had some good conversation thus far and a lot of calls coming in. Let's go back to the phones then. Omero is calling in from Texas. Oh, we might have just lost him. Oh, sorry. Well, we're just going to take that, so we'll move on to the next one. Bridget is calling in from Arlington, Texas. Bridget, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Thank you, Father, too. Um, appreciate it a lot. I, you're listening, and you know, I'm a a firm believer. I'm, you know, 18 years of Catholic school and, you know, you think you know it all. I, I teach, you know, sec, second grade last year, first grade this year, high school 20 years ago when my kids were. At 54, I became a widow. My husband died of cancer. It's pretty familial in his family. His dad left 12 kids at 58 or 9, you know. Anyhow, I always thought, you know, there, there would be a miracle. It started with lung cancer. By the time it was diagnosed, it was the size of a tablet. He, he survived that. And, you know, he also got um, diabetes at 33 because, you know, there was a, there was a, kid, um, there was a stone, you know, stuck in his duct when he was in his 30s, you know, from a uh, gallstone, you know, long before they had all those tests and everything in the 80s. Well, when he, when he got it, he survived the, the lung cancer with a real good team, you know. And 18 months later, it, it nastized to his brain. And this type of cancer that he had was not supposed to go there. But he had a chemo, and, you know, that broke down the brain-body barrier. Well, he would always tell me, you know, Bridge, there's no light at the end of this tunnel. And I said, no, honey, there's always the miracle, you know. And I'm a very optimistic person with a very realistic, you know, like I don't jump off the bridge if it doesn't happen or get mad. And all the way to the end, I you know, of stories of people walking off the bed and everything. I thought he would, you know. I did realistically know a, the six months before, you know, at Christmas that I probably won't have him next Christmas, you know. But I didn't want to know when he died. I said, you can keep that between you and the doctors. And I'm, I just believe God puts us here and he takes us away. When the miracle didn't happen, I never got mad at God, you know. And I'm, you know, I... I, I just, you know, of course I grieved and occasionally I grieve again, but I just move forward. I still believe in miracles, small ones and big ones. I'm happy for people that get it. And I know he's in heaven and I know that, you know, we'll all see each other again. I do know that, you know, and I just wanted to say that don't give up praying for the miracle, but accept God's will, you know, and take things day to day. That's a beautiful testimony, Bridget. I mean, just the place that you come from in terms of the freedom that that you have in your friendship with the Lord. Like, I trust you, and I know you can do it, but if you choose not to, I I believe you must have reasons, and good reasons, And but, you know, your will be done. And in the end, that's kind of what we tell the Lord, that we want Him to do what He thinks is best. But then we have ways of insinuating that, well, Lord, we do know better. I mean, really, you know, I, I know you're the all-knowing one, but even so. And um, so that I think there's a nice way of, yeah, we pray, we hope, but in the end we submit it all to God as you see it, Lord. You know what's best, and we sometimes 
still struggle with that, but at least we can accept it. And there's a place of, um, like I said, real freedom that we're not, we haven't painted ourselves into such a corner where it's like, oh my gosh, this, this is, you know, my faith now has been irreparably harmed because I, I put too much on this and it didn't happen. That's not, uh, that's not good for any relationship, uh, whether it be human or divine. So God bless you, Bridget, and God rest your husband. And uh, good luck with those little kids. If you can speak of God to children, you're getting ready for heaven. That's the beautiful thing to be able to do that, to speak of the ways of God to, in the voice and the, the words of a child. Unless you become like children, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So good prep. That's great preparation for whatever comes next. Amen to that. Thank you, Bridget, for the phone call. Let's go now to Homero, who's back with us, calling in from Texas. Homero, thank you for calling in to The Inner Life. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I know you guys are short with time, so I'll be as brief as I can. I Nine years ago, we were in an accident. I was asleep in my bedroom, and a car crashed into our house. Our baby, eight days old, was in front of the window where the car came in through. And moments before the truck crashed in my wife gets up to go to the restroom moves the baby out of the way and when she walks into the restroom that's when the truck crashes in it finishes on top of me the tire was on top of my head and you know for me i had seconds to live i felt the pressure and i had no hopes of surviving that and well i'm i'm here after an hour and 15 minutes being under that tire they they rescued me they took care of me and Almost within six hours, I was out of the hospital. They couldn't believe I had no damage to my back, to my neck, to my head, not even a concussion. And my my baby that was found underneath the truck also had no scrapes, nothing. He was actually asleep still. Uh, so we know the hand of God was there for us. And one comment, that because a lot of what all the callers have have mentioned is things I've felt things I've went through, uh, for us, we had a, a miracle answered or, or, you know, God took care of us. And I still ask, you know, people to ask, why me? Why didn't I get my prayer answered? And my question for over a year, and even now, is why me? Why did you save me? Why did I deserve this? Mm. Um, but God teaches us so much through, through this experience. He's obviously... Uh, I tell people our miracle is a community miracle because everyone we share our story with, we hope that it helps in their salvation. Yeah, it's a beautiful story, and it's a—I mean, it's just a remarkable story. I mean, it, no sign of—I mean, the baby is asleep, and and you come out of the hospital six hours later. I mean, it's just like—I don't know how that's possible, but it—it it happened, and. We're, people are here, we're all here for a reason, that we were born because God wanted to spend eternity with us. We were born at this time and in this place because God had some good, some mission for us to accomplish, and and maybe doubly so when our life was obviously preserved. That, you know, Pope John Paul always thought that as he got older, that a lot of his boyhood friends were killed first, you know, in World War II, and then behind the Iron Curtain and all the, the terrible things that he witnessed, and he survived, and he kept thinking that, Lord, I'm here for a reason, that you have some work for me, something, you know, special. I'm not a better person than those who died, but I, I am here for a reason. And um, I was just thinking, I was playing cards with a guy last night that uh, 
he, on a farm, he was run over by a skid steer when he was little, and then went right over his head. Mm. But somehow it, it affected his vision, and it still does. He's legally blind, but because he survived it, his grandma knew right away, and she just started praying. She's like, you survived that because God, he protected you. And so she always prayed that she just thought, you're going to be a priest. Yeah, I just think that's why, you know, and she died before he was ordained a priest, but that's what he is, and uh, all her prayers were answered. And uh, so whatever your family, whatever God has in store for you, it's a special gift that you've received. And it's not something that we could merit or earn or that, that others didn't deserve it and we didn't know. No, God gives his gifts in the way that he gives them. And um, sometimes it bothers us that he gives to some people, not to everybody. Uh, but he has his reasons. And uh, we will pray in gratitude for the gift that he's given you and your family. And also with uh, the hopeful expectation that, Lord, you have a reason. This little baby, this man, this family, uh, they have a special part in the story of salvation. We will pray that you have the faith and the trust, the courage to, to play that part, whatever it is. We don't need to add any more pressure to your life, but uh, he's given you a gift, and you've shared it, and that's what God wants. Is uh, well, We received his gift, we give his gift, and now everyone else is aware of it, and it leads to praising God who protected your family that day. So God bless you, Meadow. That's, uh, that's really, <laughs> really that's a dramatic uh, story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Romero, thank you so much for the call. Thank you for sharing that. And and a good perspective, too, I think, as we round out the show on miracles today. Um, just that, yeah, as you said, Father, God God gives gifts, and uh, and he knows best why he's giving which gifts to which people. And maybe that's in the minute or so we have before I ask you for your for your blessing. I guess, Father, I'd, I'd close with this question. Should my faith rest on whether or not I see miracles in my life? Well, if it should or shouldn't, in a way it does. I mean, our life is a miracle, that we were born at all. The Mass is a miracle, that Jesus, you know, that he died and rose from the dead. These are all things that are outside of our explanation of, like, how it exactly happened. We don't know, but we walk by faith, not by trust. Faith depends on miracles. Our whole religion, everything uh, really is reducible to that these things can't happen, but they did. And there are men and women that have believed it and have died for it down the centuries, and it's our turn to say, do you really believe in miracles? Yes. I mean, every time I go to Mass, if you say anything special at Mass today, yes, a Eucharistic miracle is going to happen right up here on this altar, and you're going to receive Jesus if you're so disposed, and that's all extraordinary. That's unmerited, undeserved. We're unworthy, but it's his gift. So uh, we can thank God that, uh, you know, that we get to witness these things, even if you know what the uh, the senses fail to fathom we can't really see but uh, we can trust and believe mm. so get to mass and experience your own miracle wow right there our spiritual director today has been father sam martin father uh if we could have your blessing again as we close the show we would be grateful may god bless each and every one of you with a deep faith and unshakable hope and the beautiful love of god the father the son the holy spirit Amen. Amen. If you missed any part of the show today or would like to go back and listen again, we're always available at relevantradio.com slash innerlife, where you can find all of our archive shows there and share them with your friends and neighbors. Coming up tomorrow on the program, navigating guilt and shame. What's the role of guilt and shame in your life, in your life with Jesus? And uh, to what extent should you pay attention to it? That's coming up on the show tomorrow. Stick around for Mass right now. Until next time, grace and peace.